When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good evening and welcome to Amplify, a telephone talk show that looks at life from a religious perspective. I'm Father Ron Lingwood, hoping you have felt the warmth of God's love in your life this day, but especially the joy you feel when you share that love with others. As we do each week, like to begin a program with a story that is based on faith and formed with imagination. Men who were considered to be wise often came to visit Jesus when they heard about his great knowledge. Welcome, Jesus said to a man who had made such a journey from his hometown. I have heard about your love for others. The man was surprised by Jesus' remark, but quickly replied, and I have heard about how much you do for others, Master. Having traded com compliments, they smiled at one another. Jesus said, Come, sit with me. The man was pleased and said, I'll share my fruit with you. Jesus responded, And I shall share my bread with you. But I know you have not come just to eat with me. You have come seeking knowledge, and I am pleased to give it to you. The man nodded and said, you are wise indeed. Then he just looked at Jesus, and it seemed like an eternity before he finally spoke again and asked, Master, is man divided in two? Jesus didn't answer, and so the man asked again, Master, is there not a physical side to man and a spiritual side? Does not the spiritual side draw life from the heart of the Father? Yes, Jesus answered. And does not the spiritual side tell the physical side what to do? No, Jesus answered. They must work together. Man does not always do what his heart wants him to do, to comfort the sick or to share one's bread. The physical and the spiritual must work together as one, like the fish is to water, air to a cloud, a seed to the earth, fruit to a tree, and a mother to her child. The wise men looked at the bread Jesus had shared with him and said, The bread you have given me has more meaning than the eye can see, doesn't it? Yes, Jesus answered. Not only is it the staff of life, it is also the bond which unites the heavens and the earth. The old man said, You are wise far beyond your years. It has taken me so long to learn what you have learned in such a short time. Jesus sighed and said, My friend, my friend, man must work to attain a perfect union between his body, mind, heart, and soul. 
Such a union will give man the strength and gentle caring which my father love possesses. A story of faith and imagination. Our guests this evening write in the introduction to their book, The COVID-19 pandemic has been hard on all of us. As Catholics, we suffered real loss with the closure of churches in the spring of 2020 and the ongoing restrictions on celebration of the sacraments. As time has worn on, the spiritual desert we have collectively experienced and the challenge of finding new ways to keep the Lord's Day have been difficult and very painful. We struggle to make sense of the global crisis and even of decisions made by church leaders to protect our health and well-being. People's reactions to church closures and reopenings have covered a whole spectrum from gratitude to anger and frustration. And they continue a little bit later. The church is always called to read the signs of the times in light of our faith. So in the midst of everything we face with this pandemic, we need to ask, is God speaking right now? How do we hear and see God in this moment? How do we listen for his voice? If we want to hear his voice, the voice of God, and see his actions in the world, we need to be a people who love the truth because Jesus is the truth. Truth, though, is not something we determine. Rather, it is something revealed, something to which we submit. In order to hear God in this moment, we must seek him as the truth and approach the facts surrounding the pandemic with humility. Only then can we hear the truth speak to us through the reality of suffering, even during this worldwide pandemic. If we want to arrive at truth, we have to acknowledge that the truth is objective and that we are not the arbiters of truth. Now more than ever, we need to reclaim the Catholic way of arriving at truth because discovering the truth is not based on our own judgment of the facts, but on the acceptance of a person who speaks to us the truth about man, life, the world, and God. To borrow a line from the Nicene Creed, Truth himself reveals to us all things visible and invisible. This is especially important in our current context, where our sense of what is true is becoming increasingly distorted. We have two guests who have written this book. During the first hour, we'll be speaking with one and then speaking uh, with the other. And... Uh, uh, they they have a, a unique approach to to what they do, and uh, it's something that uh, is is something that's right now the focus of what has happened in our country with the with the with the whole argument about the pandemic, and it's because on one side it was the number one uh, topic and concern, and on the other, uh, not as much, but certainly as important. We're talking about a book called Finding Christ in Crisis, 
what the pandemic can teach us. And our first guest this evening is Michael Heinlein. He is the editor of, uh, let me get let get that in front of you. He's the editor of Our Sunday Visitors, Simply Catholic, and has a degree in theology from the Catholic University of America, experienced in parish ministry and high school education. Michael is a frequent contributor to Our Sunday Visitor Publications, and recently authored The Handy Little Guide to Spiritual Communion. And more important to him is his role as father and mother. Michael Heinlein, welcome to Amplify. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about your own church and what happened uh, when this began last February. Uh, In the introduction that I just read, we talked about Churches closing, people not even be able to go to mass, confession, funerals. How about your own experience? Well, our experience was that we were following the news. My wife and I were following it very closely. And we did not want to take any risks because we didn't know what the long-term effects of the virus might be. We knew people were dying. We knew it could spread. We didn't know much about how it spread. It was also unknown. So the last time that we actually had attended Mass was on Ash Wednesday, which was at the very end of February, and we decided to stay home before uh, the churches were actually closed. Another week or two passed before that happened, and um, we just did so out of abundance of caution in our own conscience. We thought that we would not want to, you know, risk spreading the virus to anybody, and, uh, you know, we just didn't know what the effects would be, and wanted to make sure that we would stay healthy for the sake of our children. And certainly the title of your book explains uh, kind of why you were inspired, uh, saying that we need to find Christ in this crisis. And what can we learn from it, what the pandemic can teach us about? And so that's why you and Father Harris and Ayer, who we'll be speaking with in the second hour of our program, decided to, to write this book. Um, Let me ask you this. Is there much a difference in how this crisis has been approached between Canada and the United States and the experience of the Church? Well, in talking with Father Harrison uh, in the early days before we got started on this project, and, you know, as we talked throughout the development of the project, and even uh, just recently as yesterday, um, Canada seems to take it much more objectively in many ways than we have in America because it's become so politicized here. And that politicization has crept into the church as well. And that's why um, we started off our book by trying to uh, point to the fact that truth is what is most important here, but also charity, that charity and truth go hand in hand in terms of how we as Catholics and Christians approach anything in life, much less a pandemic. So, um, He's had, a, he's had a very different experience than I would say we have here mm-hmm. in the States, in that, um, you know, masks are not a political issue. Social distancing doesn't seem to be that big of a political issue. Um, now, he's in, he's in British Columbia, so it's a little bit different, okay. perhaps, in other parts of Canada as well. And in your book, you describe the situation as a spiritual desert. How should we understand that? Well, what we were referring to there, I think, is the fact that uh, when our churches are closed or when we have to 
sign up to go to Mass and we might not be able to go every week, or if we aren't able to get to confession as much as we'd like, or we aren't able to join in our prayer groups as we might have in the past, or whatever else might be affecting our spiritual lives, we certainly are cut off from what we knew, from what we had previously as, um, you know, as a, as a faithful person. And so uh, that spiritual desert that we refer to there is kind of this place that we have to navigate in a very new way. And we have to remember that there are um, some basics that we have to look very closely to retrieve. The desert kind of strips away a lot of things from us that are oftentimes distractions. And so we need to refocus and reorient ourselves on the things that matter most that we've perhaps looked past. And this pandemic is is really challenging a lot of people to do that because we've had to um, learn how to live our faith in a way that we're not accustomed to. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the uh, call of the church to read the quote-unquote signs of the times in the light of faith. That's what you're you think we need to do, one of the things we need to do. Well, that was a call that, you know, the Second Vatican Council was very clear about, that we need to see the fact that God is active at all times, that God is always at work. And we know with St. Paul, of course, that all things are working from God's hand for the good for those who love God. And so instead of kind of wringing our hands and complaining about this current situation, it seems that for faithful people, the most productive thing in reading the signs of the times is to say, what is God saying to us through all of this? How are the effects of the pandemic something that can actually be for the good, something that can help us to become holy, something that can help us to become better people, something that can help us to um, grow in virtue and to be the people that God calls us to be? So it requires a lot of effort on our part. Um, instead of complaining about all the suffering and all the challenges that have been thrown at us, um, how can we see God in all of this? Because he certainly is there. Mm -hmm. You um, believe that uh, God is speaking to us, um, and we need to find his presence, and we need to learn. How can we hear the voice of God in crisis? Well, I think the biggest thing for Christians and Catholics is for uh, the reality of the cross to really uh, identify who we are, that even, um, you know, in a situation like this, I think that we're all thrown into, to one degree or another, the reality of the cross in a more deep way. And it's something that we have to spend time thinking about, obviously. But as we look into the heart of Christ on the cross, we can really see what the purpose of suffering is. We can really see how Christ was able to use suffering for the good. And that's something that the world is not all that um, ready to accept and ready to identify today. And so we talk about that in the book, about how how can we um, approach all this through the mystery of the cross? Uh, you believe that there uh, has been a steady rise in unhealthy distrust of 
legitimate authorities and uh, professionals that could be uh, priests themselves um, believe that the truth um, has sometimes become relativized. And if we want to arrive at truth, we have to acknowledge that truth is objective and that we are not arbiters of truth. Say a little bit to mm-hmm. us about that. Well, what we were saying there, I think, has to do with the fact, mostly in our mind, that early on in the pandemic, there were um, some Catholics who were very critical of priests or bishops for closing down churches and for suspending the sacraments. We saw that that already happened in Europe before it happened here, and, you know, the Pope was supportive of that, for instance, in Rome and throughout Italy. But here it kind of took on a life of its own in terms of um, the kind of polar uh, opposite approaches to that. And so what we were trying to say is that, you know, obviously uh, our bishops are not doing something that is um, not in concert with the truth, that we are able to do these things. Certainly they're extraordinary, and many of us have never experienced them in our lives. But when we approach things through the lens of truth, we certainly um, have to put our own wants aside. We have to put our own desires aside. And we have to see that the purpose of all that we do as people of faith isn't about Mm -hmm. ourselves. And so uh, it would seem that some of those who were very upset about the closure of churches and so on maybe needed to take a step back and, and think that, well, all of what we do in the church, all of, you know, the word that's preached and the sacraments that are received and so on, isn't about me. It's about, it's about God and it's about others, first and foremost. And so um, in connection to the truth, you know, we're, we're trying to say that that way of living, that way of recognizing that our leaders have responded appropriately, is in accord with who Jesus was as a man of pure charity. That's the truth. You have a uh, quote from uh, Benedict, Pope Benedict XVI. When animated by charity, commitment to the common good has greater worth than a merely secular and political stand would have. And you go on to say that in society, there are many ways of discerning what the common good might be. But charity provides needed clarity, particularly directed toward the poor and vulnerable. Charity and truth together form the way forward. And so um, one of the important parts of the book underlined principles, and you even refer to it as, as the guiding principle, is charity. Uh, charity is the guiding principle in how we deal uh, with the pandemic. So we're going to take this, uh, this break. We come back, and I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to uh, the second hour of Amplify, where our guest um, is Michael Heinlein. He, together with Father Harrison Eyre, have written a book titled Finding Christ in the Crisis, What the Pandemic Can Teach Us. Uh, Father 
Harrison will be the guest, our guest on uh, the second hour of our program. But when we broke, we were speaking with Michael about uh, the book t- teaching us that charity is the guiding principle of how we deal with the pandemic. And I guess uh, that a, one of the ways of substantiating that is that Jesus both forgave sins and healed you right. And we have a duty to care for the health and well-being of our brothers and sisters. Does that touch upon that guiding principle? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, you know, when you think about St. Paul, he says that the greatest of these is love. When he's talking about the theological virtues, or St. Thomas Aquinas speaks about how charity is the primary virtue in response to that. Um, yes, I mean, Christ laid down his life as as the perfect one for us sinners, and um, that's what we're called to do. We're called to live our lives in such a way that we are defined by charity, which means we put ourselves last and we put others first, that we are constantly willing the good of the other. And that's really how we're supposed to respond to this pandemic. And since it's something that spreads, through, um, you know, our our own participation in society, as it were, um, that means that we're being charitable when we step back from those activities and when we, you know, stay at home, stay at home mm-hmm. as much as we can and, and so forth. And uh, as you write in the book, when we look after our own health and that of others, we respect the image of God in each human being. You uh, indicate that there are three problematic, you identify three problematic attitudes surrounding the pandemic. Denial, fear, and neo-Gnosticism. Say a little bit about each of uh, those three problematic attitudes. Well, when we talk about um, denial, I think there are you know, some people who have made the claims that the pandemic is a hoax. And, you know, there are people who have kind of pointed toward um, conspiracy theorists and uh, other sorts of things like that. And what we're trying to say there is that we have to depend upon a reasonable argument. We have to depend upon reliable data in order to support those claims, if we're truly people of faith, if we're people who are looking for the truth. And conspiracy theories and hoaxes aren't able to offer the data and um, a reasonable argument that we should be looking for. Um, Fear is certainly something that's reasonable, and I think we've all been fearful throughout this pandemic. But if we're also being people who are virtuous and people who strive to be holy, then we shouldn't let fear be what drives us. Um, We've seen that fear itself uh, has been interpreted as the reason. Some people have said, well, we're just closing churches because of of, of fear. Or um, there's also the manifestation of people in the wake of that who have said that They're afraid of not being able to receive the sacraments, um, which is a a legitimate fear in some way if you don't quite understand how the sacramental system works. And so, uh, you know, that's part of what we're trying to do with this book as well, is provide 
some uh, teaching about what we believe for people who, because they can't go to church and maybe they aren't able to live stream a homily or whatever, they're not necessarily getting the resources they need. And we're hoping this book can make one little dent in filling in that gap, perhaps. Um, The other thing, the last thing, uh, neo-Gnosticism. That's been an ancient heresy in the church. Um, Gnostics are those who believe that the body um, is not only unimportant, but it's something that's in competition with our soul. And so uh, some people have made, you know, the argument in the wake of closed churches that receiving the sacraments are perhaps the most important thing that we can do. But we shouldn't put the sacraments in competition with the good of others. That seems to be contrary to the, the, the law of charity that Christ has placed upon us. And um, so we have to be careful that we avoid that as well. And um, as you just said, and you're right, um, a lot of us feel abandoned not only by the church, but even by God. We lack a spiritual interpretation of this moment and are unable to discern God's presence at this time. The goal of this book is to begin to shed light on what God might be saying to us, both in the church and in the worlds. With that in mind, then, what is it that God might be saying to us when we close churches, parishes? Well, I think one of the things that that God is saying is that he's prepared us for this moment and it requires us to dig deep into some of the fundamentals and some of the basics. You know, when we talk about the fact that we're all baptized, that's a one-time thing in our life, and we can receive the Eucharist every day. So sometimes um, we overlook baptism uh, and that, that's that's fair enough because the Eucharist is rightfully decide, determined as and, and declared as the source and summit of our faith. But the Eucharist is what renews and deepens our relationship with the Lord. Baptism is what makes it possible. What what is the the, the you know the foundation for that relationship where we are truly grafted onto Christ's body and made members of the mystical body of Christ. And so we can overlook that rather easily when we have frequent reception of the Eucharist, as is the norm under, mm-hmm. um, you know, the world in which we live. But with the pandemic, that's not possible. And so I think the Lord is kind of also challenging us, therefore, to, to dig deep and remember that, wow, we are members of Christ's body. And what does that actually mean, that, that we are able to be in communion with him at all time because of that that um that powerful relationship that we we have been changed from the moment of our baptism into a new creation and so even if we're at home and we're not able to receive the eucharist we have some spiritual gifts and spiritual treasures in our tradition um, certainly by reading scripture but also by uh, other prayer forms where we can recognize that that relationship doesn't go away even when churches are closed. And I think the Lord's also perhaps telling us that, you know, um, the sacraments don't have time limits on them. And the graces that we received in the last Eucharist are still at work in us. Um, 
even though, of course, we're sinners and we continually try to uh, uh, prove God wrong and, and cut ourselves off from him in different ways. But the Lord doesn't stop acting. The Lord doesn't stop his grace in our lives. And so maybe this pandemic can teach us to be more aware of that and that we're always living in his presence. That's, that's something that we can so easily overlook. And so even though we're trying to find Christ in this crisis, you seem to be saying that uh, there is a sense in which this is an opportunity for us. I think that's right. And it, I think that the opportunities extend also where in the present moment, Christ is also calling us into those realities that were already initiated into through the sacraments. As I was mentioning earlier about the cross, you know, where we we might look at it hanging on our wall or we might wear a cross, but how often do we sit and actually think about what the cross means and how we are to imitate that? The Lord tells us to carry our cross. Uh, how are we imitating that in our lives? How are we dying to ourselves and living for others? This pandemic gives us an opportunity to find Christ through that way, through that way of the cross, in a very uh, particular circumstance, in a way that that's forced upon us, a way that we can't choose necessarily. And, um, you know, it's really up to us as to how we respond. Do we live for ourselves or do we live for others? And you're right, the spiritual is not the only truly real thing what is missing right now is a true spiritual interpretation of this moment rooted in charity and in some sense that kind of summarizes a lot of what we've been talking about. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that this is um, what we hope to begin a conversation with, perhaps, and and try to expand some people's way of thinking or, or even... Um, uh, you know, perhaps invite people to think about it in a more deep and profound way. We by no means think that what we have written here is an exhaustion of what we can be learning from this moment. It, it's really meant to just kind of be a starting place in that way. And um, certainly we can suppose that God's perspective is different from ours at times. Yes, I think that's right, because, you know, it's interesting to look at how different countries throughout the world have responded to this, but certainly in America, we operate under a certain um, elan of freedom, right? And everything is about what it means to be free and what you think about it. In, in this country, we have done a lot of things that are not good in the name of freedom. And um, so I think that by bringing God's perspective into this, the whole thing about freedom is really to understand that God gives us the freedom to love. And so our freedom should be used not for ourselves, but for others. And that's what true freedom is about. That's, that's the beauty of real freedom that God gives us. So I think that, yes, I, I, God has, has a, a little bit of a different perspective than, than perhaps some of us in America might have. You have uh, referred to uh, sacred scripture times. Tell us a little bit about the uh, role of sacred scripture 
uh, in this pandemic. And uh, before we begin to talk about one of the important sections in your book is uh, how the Old Testament might help us uh, to understand what is happening now. Well, we certainly believe that the, the sacred scripture is God's word to us and God's speaking to us through the scripture. We believe it's a living document, that it's not something that's just merely of historical record. And we believe that as the living word of God, that it can be applied to the, to the particular moments in which we live and that there's always something new about it. Um, I would also add that in this moment of not being able to receive the sacraments as much as we might like, particularly the Eucharist, which we regard as, as true food, as Christ's body, which nourishes us. Also, um, Scripture is referred to in the teachings of the Church, for instance, in the Second Vatican Council, as uh, Christ's real presence. Also, the Scripture is also something that we feed upon. And so um, I think that we can, perhaps one of the ways in which we can see a newness at this time is to allow the Scriptures to shape us and nourish us in ways that perhaps they didn't before. And um, getting into speaking about the Old Testament, as the two of you write about in your book, Finding Christ in the Crisis, um, you write that Scripture is not just a historical document, but the living Word of God that brings the past, present, and future together. The past, present, and future together. The events and stories of biblical history help us understand and see how God is still at work among us. Reflection on the trials, tribulations, and sufferings of Israel in the Old Testament can be a stalwart guide for seeing God's hand active today for the church, the new Israel. And um, you uh, write about the story of Israel's Babylonian captivity, saying that the land, the temple, and the king were all at the heart of Israel's identity, and that Israel's reaction to the exile was rightly one of sadness, abandonment, and desolation, Suddenly, everything they thought made them a people favored by God was gone. Even when their identity was so deeply shaken, it could be found in their memory. So what can the church, as the new Israel, learn from Israel's exile? Well, I certainly think that uh, the, the, the effects of the pandemic are going to leave a lasting mark on the life of the church in this country and throughout the world. It's a particularly unique mark in each place. But um, I think that we're going to have to uh, sort of reflect upon what God is saying to us about the way that we live as church, as an institution. You know, we've lost some of our um, institutions already throughout this pandemic, which is the last, the loss, the loss of financial sustenance has, has left a big hole. Um, and so we're going to need to, in the midst of that sadness, in the midst of that mourning, look back, even as far back as the early days of the church, perhaps, or as we're saying here, even beyond that, into the Old Testament, and try to retrieve 
the ways in which people of faith have responded to similar circumstances. And so we need to we need to dig deep. We need to allow ourselves to be purified. We need to allow ourselves to embrace being stripped of, of things that in the end might not really matter. I mean, we're going to have to re- rethink things. We're going to have to um, um, be forward-thinking and have, have new modes of thinking. But God is still there, and everything that we hold truly dear at the heart of our faith hasn't gone away. And so, like Israel, when everything was stripped from them, we have to find ways to still still sing songs of joy in the midst of this suffering, mm-hmm. in the midst of this sadness. And what we're trying to say here is that we're not alone. You know, God's people have been through similar circumstances. And how do we respond right now? It's not by by wailing and crying. Um, it's by singing the songs of joy in the Lord and trusting that he has a plan and knowing that uh, the basics have not gone away, that the Lord is still with us, that we are still members of his body, and that we are still called to build the kingdom of God. And so Israel, you write, refused refused to forget what God had done for them. We, we, we do that so often, unfortunately. And therein found their hope. They trusted God. They saw him not just in the past, but in the present. And as you just stated, that God indeed had never abandoned them. And we bring the two together, um, the Old Testament, what's happening today, that God is using this event as God has in the past to bring us closer to our heart. And what we're experiencing is an opportunity for deep purification of the church. We have the scandals of the clergy, the lukewarmness of faith, and so much more that call us uh, to to repent. Um, St. Paul, you write, we know that all things work for the good of those who love God. If only we believed that, right? Truly believed it. Yes, if only we truly believe that. And that's, that's the challenge that's posed to us now. And so when we think about the temporary loss of sacraments, uh, when we think about how we're not able to uh, live in relationship with the Church and with the Lord as, as we might have done before the pandemic, we need to think of the ways in which that relationship continues, in which that relationship endures. We need to see that God, even, you know, think of Christ on the cross again, when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's a very human uh, response to the suffering, to the cross that we are given. But in the end, of course, Christ and, and we will know that God has not abandoned us, that God is still truly here, and we just have to be the ones now who are creative and who find ways to live out the mission that he has given to us um, in the circumstances that we now find ourselves in. And as we reflect on finding Christ in the crisis there, you um, write in your book, 
um, we should begin asking three questions. What can the temporary loss of sacraments do to invigorate our relationship with our relationship with God in the church? What must we do to reevaluate our relationship with Christ, His church, and His sacraments? And third, are we truly living the mission to which He has commissioned us? Important questions that need yeah, answers. And, and something we can't give an answer to readily. You know, right? Um, yes. It, it means that we need to take those and kind of hopefully chew on them a while and reflect upon them hopefully in presence of the Lord in prayer. Let me then just read us uh, to uh, the end of this first hour of our program. You write, God uses our history to bring us closer to himself. Understanding this is essential to seeing God's action in the present. As God used the Babylonian exile for Israel's good, he can use this pandemic to draw his church closer to himself through Christ. God's freedom never overwhelms, but always cooperates with humanity. That can help us understand the events of our world without falling into discouragement or despair. And so I would say that basically uh, your book is really a book of hope. It's, it's the foundation for in the midst of the worst, uh, the best uh, really can, can appear. Our guest's first hour has been Michael Heinlein talking about a book, Finding Christ in Crisis. Thank you for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, Father.